Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Journey, a 16-week odyssey of grit, determination, endurance, and will, where the weak are exposed and the strong revered. From Bleave Entertainment, this is Falcon's Flight. Insights and analysis on your Atlanta Falcons. Now, here's Robert Taylor and your host, Brian Giffen. It is Falcons flight. This is edition 22 as the Atlanta Falcons fall to 4 and 11, losing to the world champion Kansas City Chiefs, surprising no one, 17-14, perhaps surprising the fact the game was close as the Falcons and Chiefs played very well on the defensive side of the ball. But in the end, the cream rises, and it certainly did at Arrowhead as the Chiefs clinched the number one seed in the AFC for the approaching NFL playoffs and the Falcons fall to 4-11. and 11. We remind you that Falcons Flight is a presentation of Believe Entertainment. Believe is the number one site for podcast professionals. Do you believe? We certainly do. Robert Taylor not here, off for the holidays, and will rejoin us next week as we recap the 2020 regular season and look ahead. Robert will be back in-house when we do that. We remind you also that the NBA and college basketball are back. The NFL and college football playoffs are right around the corner, and with all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat their NBA championship or someone to upset Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, you need to go to betonline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag AG today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And joining us on the telephone line is Scott Johns of the Atlanta Falcons. Scott, it's been a couple of weeks since we've spoken certainly in this forum, but things have not necessarily gotten a whole lot better as Atlanta falls to 4-11. and They lose what is yet another heartbreaker, 17-14. This is kind of one of those games, Scott, that is emblematic that any team can play with any team. You hear the old adage all the time, and it certainly was proven out on Sunday when the Falcons and Chiefs went toe-to-toe. They both played great on defense, but in the end, a 14-1 and team is generally going to find a way to beat a 4-11 and team. Yeah, and that's what you get. I mean, I don't think anyone expected the Falcons to go in and beat the Chiefs, and it was kind of surprising that they showed up the way they did. And defensively, they had a leg up with Coach Sutton giving some insight to the Chiefs' offense, which was nice, but the same token. So you have to really be looking at what we're missing in this 2020 campaign. And then I think the new leadership 
whatever that looks like is going to have to kind of assess what we have on the roster and what we need and, and build through free agency and, and of course the draft which it looks like we're going to have a top five pick but it's tough this is how we lose games and it does that come from a culture change or a couple new pieces through free agency in the draft the only time will tell but that's going to be up to the new guys to really figure out the pieces that we're missing and, and how to go get those well after the horrible start the team did play better and seemed to be a little bit more disciplined and a little bit more focused under Raheem Morris but in the end I think your record kind of says what you are and they basically found a way to get back to some of the same ways and some of the surprising stuff on one hand playing well enough in some others you know blowing big leads things like that and in the end I don't know about you man you're closer to the situation than I am these days but it looks to me like a complete top to bottom culture changes in order and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're necessarily going to get rid of tons of players marquee names things like that but the culture has got to change well it does losing close games has certainly become our calling card and and that's not something that you want as a title or an identity in this league and that is going to come from a new regime change i mean obviously the head coach coming in to to implement a new philosophy and of course the general manager to give him the pieces that he needs to execute on that so it's unfortunate it really is it's hard to watch because you know you have all these talented players so it makes you really wonder if it is coaching and just part of that whole Dan Quinn regime and his leftovers and I don't mean that as disrespect to coach Raheem Morris but it's unfortunately the stigma's still there and, and it's lingering so a new head coach and general manager I think is going to bring on a new identity to this team and, and that's something that we've been probably in, in need of probably the last two years at least. You know aside from the obvious questions about okay who's going to lead the franchise this and that do you think from the player perspective and this is just asking your opinion obviously not for insight from the organization, do you think it's likely and or at least a 50-50 possibility that some marquee names are gone in this case because of what you could get in return? Well, you know, I think it's certainly a possibility. I mean, because you've got guys that are probably not part of the vision going forward. I mean, you're going to have guys like Julio Jones, and I don't want to – Matt Ryan is untradeable right now just because they had cat hit. But Julio Jones is one of those names that you could certainly look at and go, oh, maybe he's not a Falcon next year because he's not part of the vision moving forward and of course any general manager is going to interview on the premise of we're playing the long game and trying to build for the future and you know when you have an aging receiver that's got a history of aggravated injuries and things of that nature it's hard to build around guys like that so to answer your question yeah I believe that no one's safe outside of maybe number two and Deion Jones on the defensive side of the ball I think a new coach is going to look and go we have a lot to do and we know what we're going to need in the way of key pieces Here's the players that fit. Here's the players that don't fit. I think it's going to be pretty cut and dry from that standpoint. But, you know, and you hate to see it as a longtime fan and a longtime employee. You get to know these guys and, and get to know their game and all that. And it becomes difficult to watch them cut bait. But at the end of the day, this is a business, and they've got to do what's best for the organization. It probably magnifies the possibility that the move you're talking about, potentially trading a Julio, happens only because you've seen that some depth in the receiving core has come along. Calvin Ridley has emerged as a guy who probably can be your primary down-the-field threat or your primary receiver. Those two things added together make it as possible as anybody that any of the big names, it would be Julio who might be gone. Well, it's certainly going to give you some cap space back but what it does and you're, you're kind of trading because you know, Julio Jones is the leader in the locker room and of course on the no field doubt. the only problem is he can't stay healthy and, and you're not going to pay a king's ransom to a guy that can't stay on the field I mean it's unfortunate but they kind of knew what they were doing when they drafted Calvin Ridley 
course, he fell to him late in that draft, which was nice. He's done nothing but completely productive, you know, in his time here in Atlanta. But I think, and it is just speculation, of course, but what a new head coach, especially if he's offensive-minded, is going to look at and go, hey, we've got Russell Gage, who's really coming to his own as a kind of a number two, number three, depending on the week. And, of course, Calvin Ridley is the number one. So you've got some guys to build around. And really, so you feel like you're pretty solid there. You can go get a guy that's maybe a veteran that hasn't really cut it with other teams or go get a young guy in the draft, however you want to approach it. But I think the real angle here is going to be go build the trenches and then try to solidify your running game. Because I think otherwise, your offense is pretty sound. I mean, Matt Ryan was an MVP. Your receivers are producing at a pretty high level, given the circumstances. So you really got to build the core of that offense first. So, again, no one's safe because I think a new head coach, especially an offensive minder, what I'll say it again, is going to envision things a little bit differently than the Dan Quinn and Raheem Morris have. You mentioned Russell Gage, and Laquan Treadwell of late has kind of bloomed a little bit and has gotten into the discussion, and that's another guy that kind of makes up some of that depth package, and he sort of fits the mode of what you're talking although he's a young guy fits the mode of what you're talking about, a guy who's a veteran who came there from elsewhere that maybe came into his own a little bit late this season. He had a really tough go of it in Minnesota. When they got him out of Ole Miss, they really thought that he was going to be the guy to kind of take the top off because that's what he did at Ole Miss. Unfortunately, it didn't pan out. But you also had guys like Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs that really stole the show up there in Minnesota. So is that a product of maybe him not being what they thought he was coming out of college, or was that maybe getting buried in the depth chart by superior talent? We have no way of knowing we're not on the coaching staff. But what I will say is he's a guy that's shown flashes and they brought him in for a reason. Quite frankly, he's catching touchdowns. So, you know, his production here at Atlanta, you can, you know, one would argue maybe, you know, the number three, and he kind of gets lost because Gage is someone you have to game plan for. He's a great possession receiver, Calvin Ridley. We know what he is. So where does Laquan Treadwell fall in that? I think it's hard to know. And to be honest with you, he's kind of one of those on the cusp guys because he's on a one-year deal. He spent most of his time on the practice squad here. Maybe a new coaching regime would come in and say, hey, he's a guy we can use. More than likely, he's going to be a guy they want to cut bait on and bring in their own guys that they can develop and mold into the offensive philosophy that they have in mind. We have no way of knowing, of course, but while you're on the topic of the coaching regime, Jeff Ulbrich has kind of been a little bit intriguing in that, well, this game's a good example. He got this defense to play very well against one of the more explosive, if not the most explosive offenses in the league. Yeah, it's incredible the job that he's done. And unfortunately, because he's tied to this regime that is now looked at as kind of a massive failure, and I hate to say that, but after the Super Bowl debacle, it's kind of gone downhill from there. And now that I think, you know, ownership kind of wants to move on from all the pieces of of this regime and really just get a completely fresh start. Now, that doesn't mean Jeff Ulbrich and his talent can't go elsewhere, and I think he will. I think he's going to be picked up as someone's defensive coordinator, the new hire. For instance, maybe Eric Bieniemy gets hired on in Houston, and I think he's a guy, Jeff Ulbrich, that would be – probably on the top of his list or somebody else's list to go be a D.C. somewhere else because philosophy in his system is very good. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And and it's unfortunate that I don't think Atlanta's going to look at him in a way that they should in terms of retention, but that's what you get when you're part of a failed coaching staff, unfortunately. But you nailed it. I mean, he's got all the ability and all the talent in the world, but unfortunately I think he's going to be coaching in another state and city here here in the next few months. Interesting the age that we're in, and of course this has gone on for a while. The media tends to hype up the teams that have the bigger names and the sexier markets and stuff like that. But lost in a year like this to some degree is the fact that, you know, there are teams that haven't been that relevant for a while 
that are playing very well. The Bills are a great example of that. Of course, after that run where New England won all those division championships. And then, you know, the Colts and Titans are to the last week battling it out to win that division. So there are some good stories around the league from teams that you don't hear that much about. Yeah, it's incredible how the league has become so cyclical in terms of the way they, you know, the first to last mantra is proving itself over and over again. And and you have teams that are perpetually at the bottom of the barrel, like Cleveland. And even Cleveland has kind of risen above their expectations. But a team like Buffalo has done it right. I mean, they've made the right coaching hires. They've certainly drafted well. And then you go get what most already know. It's a quarterback-driven league. You have to go get a guy that's going to produce at a high level. Josh Allen is now in the MVP discussion because he's in a good position up there in Buffalo under Brian Dayball and guy that I certainly hope Atlanta takes a look at as a head coaching candidate. He comes from that saving coaching tree, very disciplined, very well-versed in his ideologies. But I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on Buffalo, of course, in the playoffs and the way they go with this run here in the, in the postseason. But they're the new standard. And as weird as that is to say that Buffalo is the new standard in the NFL in terms of how to rebuild a franchise from the ground up and go get the, the key positions, that's the truth. I mean, there are many ownership groups that are going to be looking at the way they've done things. And, of course, you know this is a copycat league. The NFL is forever going to be a league that when someone figures out a formula, it's going to be emulated to no end until the new trend comes along. But Buffalo is that example. And, and even Cleveland to an extent, because I think they've gone and found some of the right pieces in terms of their coaching. And then eventually, you know, the way they've drafted and brought in key free agents to round out that roster. It's incredible. It's becoming a more parody league in that way. You know, it's interesting, too, around the league to see guys that are somewhat later bloomers. And of course, the one specific one that comes to mind is Ryan Tannehill. Now, granted, it helps a lot when you've got a beast running back like Henry is. And then, of course, on top of that, you got a very good defense in Tennessee, a good offensive line. All the components are there. And even though he's a bit of a game manager, he's a good example sometimes. An organization will give up on a guy, and all of a sudden he'll kind of find his sea legs in the right place, right time, all that stuff. And Tannehill's been a pretty good story this year. Yeah, you love to see it. And, I mean, Tannehill, even his story really even dates back to last year because he was the highest-rated quarterback in the NFL last year. Ryan got a really tough shake down in Miami. And, and to be honest with you, Miami wasn't a great organization when he was there. They tried to build around him, but they didn't do it the right way. You know, and then he goes to a place like Tennessee that's far more established. They've got a more complete roster. And you see what it can do for a guy like that. Tannehill is a very talented guy. He can move, you know, he's got great legs. You know, he can throw the ball as good as, you know, anyone not named Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. But to your point, it's kind of funny to think about what a change of scenery and a, and a, a philosophy that complements their skill set can do for a guy like that. And I hate to even think this, but God forbid they cut bait on Matt Ryan in the next year or two. I think he's a guy that can go into another organization and a, and a system and can probably thrive because, quite frankly, Atlanta's failed him in many ways. Bringing Dirk Cutter back, in my opinion, was a massive mistake. I mean, he's proven over and over again that he's not very imaginative and eventful, and it's really hurt Matt Ryan's tenure here and and what should have been a Super Bowl contending team over the last two or three years has been bottom of the barrel or really middle of the pack if you want to look at those seven and nine seasons. So to me, it all comes down to coaching and the ownership empowering 
coaches to go out and get a guy like that and build around them and execute their skill set. The Twitterverse talks about places where guys like Matt could go and thrive. And I think that Matthew Stafford's probably in the same characterization in that, you know, of course he's paid very well. It'd be a big cap hit for the Lions if he moved on or if they traded him somewhere, anything like that. Or somebody would have to absorb a big cap hit, I mean. But those two guys are probably the most likely established quarterbacks that could go somewhere else, like in Indianapolis for example. And Phillip Rivers has had a very good season, but I think as a guy who used to cover the Colts and is very familiar with the franchise, I think if you put a Matt Ryan or a Matthew Stafford behind that offensive line and an emerging running game and a defense that flies around and plays very well, the sky's kind of the limit there for a couple of years. Yeah, and you you never want to see one of your favorite players go to another place. You never want to lose a guy like that, but to the point we were just making, a change of scenery can do a player so much good. Sometimes it can derail their career, but in some cases, like Tannehill's case, they can, you know, really revive their career. So it's tough to say where things are going to shake up. I mean, we've been shocked the last two off seasons at some of the trades and some of the free agent signings. Nothing would surprise me anymore. I think Matt's safe for the next two years. Matt Ryan is safe for the next two years here in Atlanta because of the cap hit. But I wouldn't be surprised, to your point, if Matt Stafford's in another uniform next year. But it depends on what the new regime in Detroit wants to do and if they feel like they can get a guy in the middle of the first round to kind of be his successor and and learn under Chase Daniel for a while. Before we get back to the Falcons here, one other NFL thing. You always hear folks talk about coaching trees, and it's been well-known and talked about a lot that the Bill Belichick coaching tree hasn't been especially productive. And oftentimes, you know, it's the right situation. Josh McDaniels, for example, as a young guy going to Denver a few years ago. Romeo Cornell, Charlie Weiss, the list goes on and on. But quietly somehow, Mike Vrabel in Tennessee has done a very good job, and he is right off that coaching tree coming off of the field and the coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, and Vrabel was more, I mean, of course, he was a player under Belichick for years, but Vrabel really learned, cut his teeth in coaching in Kansas City. So he's kind of been one of those guys that was able to break away and find success, and that's a rarity, you know, off that Patriot coaching tree. Josh McDaniels went out to Denver, and I think that was in 2009, and he goes out there, and and of course that's an unmitigated disaster just because he didn't, I don't think he knew what it took to become a head coach, especially in a tough conference like the AFC, competing against his former team. And I think Belichick is one of those guys who deploys the right people in the right places. They say it in the league that he puts the aces in their places to succeed, and they're an extension of him. Once they leave the building, they can emulate what he can produce at the high level. I mean, he's a guy that he's probably the greatest NFL coach of all time, in my opinion. But we're probably not going to know for years as to why these coaches that leave his tutelage just don't cut it. It's, it's It's a very strange phenomenon. You think studying under a guy like that would give you all the tools you need to go to another organization and make it work, but for some reason, and it's almost the same with uh, with Saban in college. I mean, it's the same effect. Those guys don't quite cut it in other places. I probably won't understand it for a long time. Getting back to the Falcons, fittingly, somehow, for this season, a guy who had been perfect on the year, Young Hui Koo, misses the 39-yard field goal to try and tie that game and send it to overtime or give him a chance to win the game. And I guess that kind of fits into the mantra of how 2020 has gone for the Dirty Birds. Yeah, it was a tough thing to watch him miss that because he's he's been so defendable. I mean, he hadn't had a miss since the Chicago game in week three or week four. So he was on a tear there of just an incredible streak of made field goals. And it came out, actually, I think it was this morning or last night, that the ball got tipped at the line and redirected it. So it wasn't an outright miss. I think one of Kansas City's defenders had tipped it. But still, 
you hate to see it, and it is. It's a microcosm of the season. And some fans look at it as, hey, it kept our draft pick safe, and we're still going to pick us up the top five. And some fans go, you know what, that's kind of a game you want to win because it gives a new coach and a new regime confidence to go on the road and beat the defending champs and a team that will probably be right back in it this year. It depends on how you look at it. But Youngway was so dependable all year, and he still is. I think he's got a really bright future here in Atlanta, and he's made his first of of what I think will be many Pro Bowls with that logo on. And talking about the miss by Koo, before we move on here to the Buccaneers now, the season finale, you're always going to be remembered for the misses that are significant, but tipped ball or not, it doesn't diminish and or tarnish the season that he had. Now, your heart breaks for the kid a little bit that he picked an inopportune time. You always remember, in fact, it happened with the Falcons on the field the year that Gary Anderson was perfect all the way back in 1998 and missed that field goal for the Vikings, and that sent the Falcons to the Super Bowl. So you never know. Yeah, no one ever remembers all the clutch kicks you had until you miss one. It, you know, it's unfortunate for Gary Anderson. It's very fortunate for Falcons fans if you want to look at a Super Bowl appearance as you know something to write home about. And that, you know, I think some would argue that that was a historic run for our franchise. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's tough for a guy like him because he, you know, he was so. Look, I've worked with Youngway all season, and I can tell you, he's very focused. He's a, he's an extremely sound competitor. You know, I love the guy to death. He'll be right back. I mean, you know, fortunately for him. That game didn't mean anything. It truly didn't. If that would have knocked us out of playoff contention or something like that, I think it stings a lot more, and the negativity is probably more tied to a kick like that. But this will get forgotten, you know, with all, all the off-season stuff looming. And so I think he probably has moved on from it already because he knew that that kick didn't mean a whole lot because, quite frankly, the season's lost and it didn't really cost us anything. And, in fact, again, and some people look at it this way, solidified our draft pick. One game to go now. It's down at Tampa Bay. It does matter a lot for the Buccaneers. And depending on who you listen to or how it all shakes out on Sunday, the final week of the season, the Falcons could draft anywhere from 3rd to 11th. And from the standpoint of the Bucks being at home and needing the game, you would figure all things line up for Atlanta to be beaten. But after last Sunday, you certainly wouldn't be surprised if they went down there and shocked everybody and won the game to close the season on somewhat of a high note. Well, sure. I mean, in looking at it from a competitive standpoint, I mean, Atlanta wants to go down there and win. They're not thinking about the draft like the fans and the people not. that cover the game like yourself. They're not thinking about that. They want to go out and win because they're paid to go out and win. And no professional athlete's going to go out and play to lose. I mean, that's just not that's yeah. not their DNA. But from a matchup standpoint, we don't match up against Tampa well at all. I mean, we gave them our best go in the first half a couple weeks ago, and and that's all well and good, but I don't think the storyline is going to be after the game is going to be anything different. I don't expect Atlanta to go down there and go toe-to-toe with a team that has everything to gain. Tom Brady seems to have our number, and he has a lot of teams' numbers, but they're going to be playing inspired football. They're going to be at home. They're gearing up for the playoffs. We're getting geared up to go on vacation. I just don't think it's going to be enough. Would it shock me if they won? Absolutely not, because I feel like we can go toe-to-toe with any team. However, I just don't think this is going to have the storybook ending that some Falcons fans are hoping for. Well, and it does affect the collective mindset, and you can bet that when the game is over, there will be some collective goodbyes that are said because there are a lot of people there that would have a pretty good, solid idea that they're not going to be there or they'll be elsewhere next year. Yeah, it's the nature of the league, unfortunately, and you have a very short leash in this league when you're not winning. Coaches and players, there's a certain level of expectation there for everybody, and and unfortunately, when you don't perform, whether you're a coach or a player, you kind of get a feel of what's to come. And some of the veterans on this team, I think, are pretty well aware of the fact that a new staff is going to rebuild from the core outward. And they get it. They know. And, of course, I think the coaching staff knows this is their last game. I think Raheem's 
coaching staff is probably looking over the fence at some other opportunities, you know, like Jeff Ulbricht. And, and I think even Raheem Morris has earned himself a spot, at least on someone's staff in some capacity. But you're right, I think this is the last stop for a lot of those guys in, in that logo right now. Scott, as always, man, we appreciate it. We appreciated it all season long, and hopefully when Robert's back here next week, we will have you on with us next week for episode 23 of Falcons Flight, where we can recap the 2020 season and take a firmer look ahead. In fact, by the time we do so, we may have some ideas, at least as to who's leaving and then go from there. But as always, man, we appreciate your insights. Hey, it's a tough business, and we all know that. Sometimes you just don't have good years. But I'll tell you what, what has been good is the content you've added to this show, man, and it's greatly appreciated. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. You guys run a great show, and I look forward to many more of these in the coming season. All right, Scott. Well, we appreciate your time today, man, and we'll talk to you next week and recap 2020. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. All right. Scott Johns of the Atlanta Falcons spending some time with us here in episode 22 of Falcons Flight. And I am Brian Giffen. Robert Taylor is gone for the holidays. He'll be back here next week as we recap the 2020 season and try to look ahead and get some idea of when the picture will crystallize as to how the franchise moves forward. Falcons are 4-11. Kansas City in winning improves to 14-1. Atlanta will take on Tampa Bay at Tampa Bay. That's a 1 o'clock kickoff on Sunday, and we'll be back next week to recap what happens in that season finale. Back with a final word after this, we remind you that Falcons Flight is a presentation of Believe Entertainment. Believe is the number one site for podcast professionals. Do you believe? We certainly do. And I'm back to wrap this bad boy up right after this. Like in football, whether it's in business, recreation, or life, you need a game plan. Is your computer running slow? Is it infected with viruses or malware? Maybe you're a gamer and really want a custom-built computer specifically for gaming. Perhaps like us, you want a lightning-fast, state-of-the-art, solid-state drive to replace that clunky, old-school one in your machine. Your game plan for any of this should be Computers Plus. A lot of the components we use to produce and bring you Falcon's Flight have been upgraded or provided by Computers Plus. Computers Plus is located in Ackworth, Georgia at 3330 Cobb Parkway Northwest, Suite 154. But wherever you are, they can help. Stop in and see them. They also feature a full line of accessories and refurbished equipment. Give them a call today at 770-693-0769 or check them out at computersplususa.com. You'll be glad you did. Mr. Hardwood is Atlanta's premier flooring expert, but hardwood is just the beginning. Mr. Hardwood also installs laminate, tile, vinyl, carpet, and more. Your home is likely your biggest investment. Not only can you enhance its value with beautiful new floors, but our lifetime transferable warranty will enhance the value even more. If you stand on it, Mr. Hardwood stands behind it. Mr. Hardwood is committed to setting the industry standard for all your uniquely designed and professionally installed flooring solutions. Our number one goal is to exceed our customers' needs by providing value, quality, and exceptional service even after the sale. We take great pride in high-quality craftsmanship and integrity and are not satisfied until we have exceeded your expectations. Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts. To set up your free consultation, call Mr. Hardwood today at 770-318-8880 or go to MrHardwoodInc.com.
This is Falcons Flight Edition number 22. Brian Giffen, Robert Taylor not here this week, but our thanks to Scott Johns of the Atlanta Falcons who has joined us throughout this weird 2020 season and disappointing 2020 season from the Atlanta perspective as the birds try to avoid going 4-12, and taking on Tampa Bay down at the big boat, Raymond James Stadium, on Sunday. Atlanta trying to finish the season 5-11, and which is really not much of a caveat and not a whole lot different than 4-12, and but at least a high note to go out on and undoubtedly to send the coaching staff out on. That'll do it for today's show. Robert will rejoin me a week from today, and we will recap what has been a very long and, again, very strange 2020 season. But for now, that will do it for Falcons Flight. I am Brian Giffen. Falcons Flight is a presentation of Believe Entertainment, the number one site for podcast professionals. Do you believe? We certainly do. Like us, share us, and give us a thumbs up, won't you? We appreciate your time today, and we'll talk to you soon. So long, everybody. Thank you for listening to Falcon's Flight. Tune in throughout the season for updates, insights, and analysis on the Dirty Birds. Falcon's Flight is a production of Believe Entertainment. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.